It's 6 p.m. and you are tuned to your community radio station, KVMR-FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Monday, July 17th. I'm Kelly Reese and this is your KVMR Evening News. There's no denying this intense heat affects some more than others. So how do you stay cool and hydrated in the midst of triple-digit temps while homeless? The California Report investigates. Then, tonight's national native news takes us to South Dakota, where a group is questioning the state's voting access from a civil rights perspective. We've got a look at your local news and the latest on heat risk sweeping through our listening area. And KVMR's Julia Gem is back with another installment of Vocal Village. How are Nevada County residents faring in this extreme heat? That's ahead. This is the California Report. I'm Madi Bolaños in San Francisco. It's a big day for rail travel in Southern California after being shut down since early June because of a coastal landslide that endangered the tracks. Full Amtrak and commuter rail service between Los Angeles and San Diego has been restored starting today. Joining us to talk about all of this is my California Report colleague Saul Gonzalez, who's aboard the first train that left LA's Union Station bound for San Diego this morning. Hey, Saul. Hey, Marty. So what's the mood on the train this morning, and why is this route important? Well, the passengers I met are pretty happy service has been restored, Madi, because of just how frequently they use it. After all, this train I'm on, the Pacific Surfliner, is the second busiest passenger rail route in the U.S. Amtrak says it carries like really some 3 million passengers a year between San Luis Obispo and San Diego. The portion of the route that was shut down is also used by commuter rail lines like L.A. County's Metrolink system. I talked to one passenger, Jim Mendengian, about what he thought. I think it's great. I hope the slope is stable, it stays stable, and uh, there aren't any more landslides. I'm hoping for that. Yeah. How often do you take this train? I commute to work, so I take it every day, you know, Monday through Friday. All right, Jim, they're opening the doors. You have a good trip. I hope you have a great day. Oh, thank you. You too. Yeah. Have a good morning. Enjoy your ride. Take care. And tell us more about why this route was shut down. Well, you know, like past shutdowns, this was prompted by a landslide on coastal bluffs next to the train tracks in the beach town of San Clemente. That raised concerns about debris and rocks falling on the tracks. To get the trains running again, Orange County's Transportation Authority, which owns the tracks in this part of the route, had to build a 250-foot-long barrier wall that's 12 feet high to protect the tracks and trains. But this most recent shutdown of these tracks follows a lot of other ones, Madi, including one that lasted six months. And the same issues were at play basically in those shutdowns as well. Really fragile coastal geology right next to the tracks. So what roles does climate change play in threatening the train? Well, this is also an area where the beach on the ocean side side of the tracks has been thinning because of coastal erosion. So the Pacific Ocean gets closer and closer to the train. Experts say that the tracks are nearly two feet closer to the ocean compared to the early 1990s. Sea level rise because of climate change is only supposed to make that problem worse. Okay, so if this route is in perpetual jeopardy, what's a lasting solution to make sure train service isn't interrupted in the future? 
Well, you know, it sparked a lot of talk. Increasingly, political and transportation leaders argue that the tracks that are closest to the ocean have to be abandoned and moved inland, essentially trading million-dollar scenic views for safety and security. In Orange County, that could mean moving about 11 miles of track inland, likely paralleling the I-5 freeway. The county has received a $5 million grant from the state to start doing preliminary studies. Meanwhile, in San Diego County, similar studies have already started because of similar threats to the train in the town of Del Mar. There, they're looking at building an inland train tunnel at a cost of about $4 billion. So all of this is really expensive, and it really shows you how pricey figuring out what to do with threatened coastal infrastructure will be because of climate change. Mm. And finally, Pacific Surfliner, the train that you're on, is expected to be especially busy later this week. Can you tell us why? Well, Comic-Con, you know, a huge event in San Diego kicks off, and the train is going to be a really popular way for Comic-Con fans to get to the city from L.A. and really a bunch of other places, too. Nice. That's the California Report, Saul Gonzalez, traveling by train between Los Angeles and San Diego. Thanks, Saul. Hey, thanks, Monty. And it is a beautiful view right now from the train. Yay! Support for the California Report comes from Stanford Medicine, comprising its School of Medicine and Adult and Children's Health Systems, working together to advance knowledge and improve lives. StanfordMedicine.org. The James Irvine Foundation, committed to a California where all low-income workers have the power to advance economically. Learn more at Irvine.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt through the Schmidt Family Foundation, working together to create a just world where all people have access to renewable energy, clean air and water, and healthy food. On the web at theschmidt.org. Although things may cool down a bit today, central and southern California are still not in the clear. With heat warnings still in place for much of those regions, officials are warning residents to stay cool and hydrated. For the state's 115,000 unsheltered homeless residents, that's easier said than done. KQED's Vanessa Rancaño reports from Fresno, where it hit 108 degrees this weekend. People living on the streets here stay cool any way they can. They know which restaurants will give out ice and let them enjoy a few minutes of AC. They douse themselves with water and seek shade in parks. 61-year-old Steve Speckman has another strategy. You ride the bus. A lot of bus drivers let you ride the bus over and over if you don't bother anybody. This weekend, he made it to a cooling center, though. But thank God we have this. I get real bad headaches from the heat. Once you get 60 years old, it's it's hard on you. Older adults and those experiencing homelessness are at higher risk for heat-related illness. But Priscilla Cappuccino, who's 54, prefers to stay outside with her chihuahua. Wait a minute, give some water. Come on, Papa, here. Under the shade of an overpass, she's trying to keep him cool. We're getting close to hell, I know that. Because it's so hot. It's so hot. And dreaming of an ocean breeze. But I'm going to move somewhere one of these days. Pismo, maybe, somewhere out there. Every day I can see the beach. Fresno is expecting triple-digit heat for at least another week. For the California Report, I'm Vanessa Rancaño in Fresno. A federal judge has upheld a first-of-its-kind law in the city of San Jose that requires gun owners to carry liability insurance. The insurance covers accidental injuries caused by the owner's firearms. The law went into effect at the beginning of this year, and the National Association for Gun Rights sued to block it, saying it violated the right to bear arms. Tamara Prevo is one of the lawyers who defended the city. My hope is that 
this judicial ruling signals to other municipalities and jurisdictions that creative legislation that's sensible and constitutional uh, exists and is possible. The plaintiffs will have the chance to challenge another part of the law, which requires gun owners to donate $25 per year to violence prevention programs. And that's the California Report for Monday, July 17th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm your host, Madi Bolaños. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Tonight's National Native News takes us to South Dakota, where a bipartisan commission has spent the last two years questioning the state's voting access from a civil rights perspective. This and more ahead. This is National Native News. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. The U.S. Commission on Civil Rights and the Commission's South Dakota Advisory Committee have been at work probing voter access in the state. South Dakota Public Broadcasting's C.J. Keene has more on the report that found voter access gaps, particularly on reservations. The bipartisan 11-member commission has spent the last two years questioning the state's voting access from a civil rights perspective. Travis Lettler is an economist and the chair of the state advisory committee. He says after careful consideration, they have an answer. Sometimes if you live on a tribal area or you live on a reservation, your local polling place might be a county seat that might be prohibitively far to drive to vote. And then when you try to maybe do an early vote, what if you have a non-standard address where You might, again, live on tribal lands where you don't actually have a post office. Difficulty with voter ID regulations proves not every access challenge is geographic in nature. One of the recommendations that the committee said was, what if the South Dakota Secretary of State published a simple one-page infographic that could go out to county auditor's office, polling locations, that was just showing up to vote, question mark? Here's what you need to bring. Don't have an ID question mark. That's okay. Here's what you do. It might cost a little bit of money to print them off, but the gain to the average voter outweighs the cost of printing an infographic. These recommendations aren't legally binding. Federal civil rights analyst Mallory Trachtenberg says these findings will now be shared with lawmakers and federal officials. But that doesn't mean the end of the discussion. They're emotionally charged topics. Um, you know, civil rights is, is really challenging to continue to have a conversation about these days. And I will highlight that, you know, people could walk away from these conversations, but continue to have those conversations. It can be really painful, um, but the fact that they're still here and so many active committees doing this, um, it's, it's pretty impressive. Every state and territory in the country has a similar advisory committee to the U.S. Civil Rights Commission. For National Native News in Rapid City, I'm C.J. Keene. It's called Weaving Our Pride, a year-long blanket weaving project in Juneau, Alaska, to celebrate the LGBTQ plus community, led by master clinket weaver Lily Hope. Hope says the project gives youth of all identities and supportive adults a chance to sit side by side to create a shared work celebrating pride, community, and self. 
Over the next year, a team of six weavers will spend several days a week at the Zach Gordon Youth Center, assisting in making two blankets, one in the traditional raven's tail style and the other in the more modern Chilcat style. We're going to do bands of rainbow color and do a follow the leader kind of deal. So the mentor weaver will weave one row and the student will come behind and weave exactly the same row. Anyway, it's going to be pretty epic. Next summer, dancers will wear them for the first time at Celebration, a biennial Southeast Native Dance Festival held in Juneau. After Celebration, the robes will remain at the Youth Center and be worn for special ceremonies that include new names and coming out parties, as well as significant pride events. Only young people can wear them. The cool thing is that three of these six mentor weavers identify as queer. One mentor weaver has queer children. And the space that's being held by these weavers is safe, healing, affirmative, inspiring. Hope believes projects like Weaving Our Pride can bring positive, lasting change to the community. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. National Native News is produced by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Nobody likes a crowded highway. A crowded crib is even worse. For a safe night's sleep, use a fitted sheet only and be sure there are no toys, blankets, or pillows around your baby. Support by the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission. Ready to start, manage, or grow your small business? The U.S. Small Business Administration can help with advice and resources. See what SBA can do for you. Go to sba.gov start. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network. Now let's take a look at your local news. The Union of Grass Valley reports that new Nevada City Mayor Daniela Fernandez led her inaugural City Council meeting last week. One of the first orders of business, appointing members of the council to their respective committees. Council Member Gary Peterson will serve on the Local Agency Formation Commission. Fellow Council Member Doug Fleming will now serve on the Parks and Recreation Committee. Lou Cece will act as the liaison for the Nevada City Rancheria Nisanon Tribe and Adam Klein and Fernandez herself join the Vibrancy Strategic Initiative Committee, which focuses on arts, culture, and distinction in the community. The Vibrancy Committee is responsible for reviewing and approving or disapproving applications for public art installations throughout the city. After a brief public hearing, a new public arts policy and a fee schedule for public art applications was approved at the regularly scheduled meeting. After hearing from an array of voices, the decision was made to move forward with the recommendation that no public art be located in the historical district except temporary art installations. Fernandez says that after a year with this policy, the council will evaluate if any changes need to be made. There was slight pushback on the term historic district. Public comments included a question about what's considered historic in the historic district. For example, is the Gold Rush era the measure, or would an installation representing the Nisan on tribal culture in the historic district be appropriate? Mayor Fernandez says, quote, I have a critique of the time period we have chosen to glamorize. It is a genocidal one. That's not up for debate here. 
It's also not up for debate whether or not I personally like murals. They're not historic as the way that we've defined our historic district. Another concern, the public art application fee, which, according to the ordinance, is $750 for a general public art fee and $225 for a temporary installation. This, certain individuals in attendance say, is too large a sum to pay for simply an application fee with no guarantee of public display. In addition to public artworks, the council granted a two-year extension for filing the final map for the project known as The Grove off of Providence Mine Road in Nevada City. Nevada City engineering planner and land surveyor Andy Cusano says the team had let the tentative map expire. The Grove, a 71-unit housing development, was part of a plan to have housing for the Nevada County workforce. The development is years in the making, with no one present at the meeting remembering the start date, including Cassano. Councilmember Fleming suggested that a commitment from the owner, Robert Upton, was needed to either sell the property or take more aggressive action to complete it. More details about Nevada City City Council meeting can be found in the Union of Grass Valley. Now let's take a look at your local forecast from the National Weather Service. Temperatures briefly return to near normal through the middle of the week, according to the Sacramento Office of the National Weather Service. But don't breathe that sigh of relief too prematurely. Temps will begin to heat up again late in the week. The NWS warns of a potential major heat risk come Friday for much of our listening area. The weather organization explains that the combination of cloud cover and lack of any significant cooling from the Delta breeze has allowed temperatures to remain very warm overnight, not helping matters. For those in Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight clear with a low around 70. Tuesday, sunny with a high near 94. Tuesday night will be mostly clear with a low around 68 degrees. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight mostly clear with a low around 55. Tuesday, sunny with a high near 84. Tuesday night will be mostly clear with a low around 54 degrees. And in Sacramento and Woodland, tonight clear with a low around 63. Tuesday, sunny with a high near 94. Tuesday night will be mostly clear with a low around 59 degrees. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. KVMR's Julia Jem is back with the latest installment of Vocal Village, and this time she's speaking to Nevada County residents on the subject that's front of everyone's mind and seemingly impossible to escape, the weather. How are your neighbors dealing with triple-digit temperatures? Julia clues us in. In early March, sliding on ice-caked pavement and falling onto jacket-wearing strangers, I scoured the streets of downtown Nevada City to ask residents about what they were doing to stay afloat during the month's remarkable snowstorm, the snowstorm that we now know as 2023's Snowpocalypse. This past weekend, July 15th and 16th, temperatures reached about 100 degrees in Grass Valley, as well as a staggering 107 degrees in places like Sacramento. Our community had proven to be rather resilient during March's snowstorm, and so, reflecting, I wondered, how is it holding up now, when excessive heat warnings hang over our heads and waterways still remain cold and fast-moving? I wasn't going to wait around to find out. I set out to downtown Grass Valley, where people could only be found under shady canopies or seated beneath umbrellas, and where shops kept their doors closed to conserve the cool. 
Unfazed by the heat and desperate to gather the voice of our panting community, I asked each willing passerby the same general question. How have you been holding up during our recent heat waves? First, we have this response from Bree. Well, I've grown up in this area my whole life, so I'm no stranger to the heat, but it is definitely seeming excessive with kind of the long spring that we had. So I've been doing my best to get out in the water whenever I can and use a lot of ceiling fans and, you know, try to dress accordingly. Would you say that, have you been visiting the rivers and local waterways and things like that? Um, I actually haven't been out to the rivers yet this year, but I'm planning a trip to the coast next weekend for my birthday, so looking forward to that. Next, we have these two anonymous responses. Um, I have been like, it's devil hot. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, much hotter than Colorado, Uh huh? Definitely. We have found a lot of swimming pools, and we're having our pool delivered today. Oh, really? As we speak, probably. Are you excited about that? Yes. And do you guys have AC at your home? We do. Awesome, that's great. A really good AC system. We also have nine Bernadoodle puppies. Nine Bernadoodle puppies? And are they faring okay during the heat? Yes. Okay, are keeping cool. Good. How have you been holding up during this heat wave that we've had? I'm having a little bit of a rough time. It's warm. Yeah. Yeah. Thank goodness for air conditioning. I totally believe that that is man's best invention right now, Yeah, air conditioning. Have you been visiting any of the local waterways or lakes or rivers? Uh, I've gone up to Scott's Flat. I love to kayak, so I've done that a couple times so far. I hope to get down there some more. Not going to the river, you know, being safe. Everybody stay safe. (laughs) Super important right now. And now a response from Bill, who was accompanied by his wife, Judy. How have you been holding up during the heat? Uh, pretty good. The biggest problem I find is night. Nighttime. The night is cool just yeah. The night just doesn't cool down. So basically, you're running air conditioning 24/7, and yeah, that's the biggest issue. Have you guys visited any of the waterways or, or lakes or anything like that? Too, no, we have not gone out <laughs> to any of the water. Too hot. Too hot. And it's middle of summer. Too crowded. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we're semi we're retired, so we can go out there when it's not crowded. Our final responses come from a group of three. An anonymous mother and her daughter visiting Mary Lou, their mother and grandmother, who lives in Grass Valley. So how have you been holding up during the heat? Oh, well, we've been great because this is dry heat. We're from North Carolina, and uh, we get this heat plus 96% humidity. Oh, boy. So this is nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Do you guys have air conditioning? Yes, but they don't run it. We're here visiting my parents. Um, so I, it's 80 I, degrees in the house. Mary Lou Roman. Uh, yes, we, we're cool. You're cool. We, we, we're fine. Yeah. We're mo- I get my coffee and sit out front. It's in the shade, but. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's been great being able to sit out and enjoy coffee and not melt. <laughs> Especially after the winter we had. Yeah. I'm thankful. Yeah. Yeah, it's too hot, but. I love it. Have you guys visited any of the waterways, rivers, lakes, things like that? Yeah, we went to Lake Shasta the other day. Oh, really? Me and the kids, yeah. We went swimming in Shasta. Awesome. Nope. We have a pond. (laughs) So when we get too hot, we jump in the pond. Hopefully you're doing your best to keep cool. And remember, if you choose to recreate in local streams and waterways, always practice cold water safety. You can listen in each weekday to the KVMR Evening News for updates on any heat watch warnings. This has been another installment of Vocal Village. For KVMR, I'm Julia Jem.
That's our newscast for Monday, July 17th. Listen to anything you may have missed at our website, kvmr.org, and connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. KVMR gets support from generous listeners like you. Support for KVMR's Future of Radio project comes from AJA Video Systems, empowering the next generation of local journalists and broadcasters. The KVMR Evening News is produced by KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza. As always, thanks for tuning in. I'm Kelly Reese, signing off. Join us Tuesday at 6 for another edition of the KVMR Evening News.